0: Here's to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage, Captain Jean Luc Picard of the USS Enterprise. Captain Jean Luc Picard of the USS Enterprise. Welcome to the Greatest Generation podcast from a couple of guys who are a bit embarrassed to have a podcast about Star Trek. I'm Ben Harrison.
1: I'm Adam Pranica.
0: And uh, we've banked a lot of these shows way ahead of time. And um, so there's kind of a strange lag effect where like this is going to come out weeks from when we record it. But this is kind of when the first wave of people actually started discovering our show. So I'm awash in a whole new kind of shame where like (laughs) literally 30,000 episodes have been listened to all of a sudden.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I think, you know, we've alluded to it. Uh, Over the course of our season so far, like just sort of joking about how uh, there's tens of people listening to us at that moment. That's something that we made fun of, and now it is very, very serious.
0: Yeah, we had our fingers crossed that only ten people would be listening, and uh, our wishes have really not been fulfilled on that mark.
1: I think we could have gotten ourselves off the hook at some point and just stopped doing the show early on, and now... (laughs) Now it's like we're chained to someone's basement and uh, having to put these out. There's really no choice anymore.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's like uh, it's like when Anthony Weiner attempted to lie about the fact that he was sending pictures of his ding-dong to people over the internet. You know, it's like, like we can't do that. We just have to lean in. They're like, yeah, we sent pictures of our penis to people over the internet.
1: Yes, uh, that is exactly what we're doing.
0: <laughs>
1: Every time you don't hear me talk on this show, that's just me taking pictures of my dick and sending them out.
0: And it's even money, which is the more embarrassing thing you're doing at that moment.
1: <laughs> let's uh, let's start the episode. We've got season one, episode 12, Data Lore. This is
0: becoming a speech. You're the captain, sir. You're in kite. Time to ramble on about something everyone knows this is uh the first episode where we start to really get some backstory on data. The enterprise is heading for a computer maintenance uh stop, which um
1: <laughs> they desperately uh, need <laughs>
0: <laughs> based on some of the some of the things that have befallen the ship uh so far.
1: I hope a locksmith is coming as a part of that package
0: <laughs> um. But, uh, Picard decides to stop off at, uh, Omicron Theta, a planet that's on the way, and it's the site of a colony, a Federation colony that vanished years ago, and the starship Tripoli was the ship that, uh, responded to this catastrophe, and the only thing that the Tripoli recovered was the body of Commander Data. So, uh... Data and an away team beam down to the surface of this planet and it is all dried out and dead. It's like used to be a lush planet with farmland and now it's everything like there's plants and things, but they're all dried out, which I I didn't think was like a great choice from the set department. Like I feel like if, if a planet has been completely lifeless for 20 years, it's not going to look like just like a dried out, you know, dried out grass and dried out trees It's like, a, that shit's gonna fall down
1: Yeah, but here's the thing When you're a set designer on the first season of a science fiction show The planet yeah. looks like what you have available Yeah And what you have available is, uh, is some dried out trees and styrofoam rocks <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's what they had available in the last couple of times they've been down to. A planet. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> They're just sort of taking the camera and rotating it uh in in a clockwise fashion just sort of getting yeah. getting some different looks and
0: changing the color of the uh of the psych yeah. every time. Yep. It's I think it's like kind of an orange psych this time. It might have been green last time.
1: Some real Thai restaurant lighting effects there. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so they um They kind of go to the spot where data was discovered, which is this carved-out slab of cement on a uh, natural-looking, at least to the uh, untrained eyes of the crew of the Enterprise, natural-looking rock formation. To me, it looks like a big hunk of styrofoam. But (laughs) Uh, I guess because Geordi's visor can kind of see things that they can't, uh, they realize that it's, in fact, the entrance to... An underground bunker, and they discover the laboratory of Doctor Nunyan Sung, who is the roboticist who created Data. And I guess he traveled to the colony under an assumed name. He was thought by the Federation to have disappeared, but uh, he popped up at this colony. And
1: they also thought him to be kind of a quack, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. They,
1: they, they kind of talk around it a little bit, but he was—he was like shamed and yeah. well, then he left
0: well it's yeah it's weird they say like oh here's that idiot that was trying to make a positronic brain and <laughs> and like they're standing right next to data who has a positronic <laughs> brain it's like a positronic brain that's ridiculous <laughs> you know <laughs> that's literally the dumbest thing anyone could spend their
1: life trying to make oh hello <laughs> <Yeah>. data
0: <laughs> I d- didn't see you standing there <laughs> So the two things that they find in um, in this bunker, which they discover to be like a huge bunker that could have easily housed all of the colonists, they find some children's pictures of this kind of snowflake-looking thing with people running in terror from it. And they find a bunch of parts that are data parts, essentially. They look like, you know, data's torso and hands and feet and legs... And Uh, there's a definite but, too. (laughs) Yeah, there's a good there's a good but and a really, really bad styrofoam data head. Yeah. Um, Which uh, this may be just something that they kind of weren't able to do in the 80s, because I remember this being something true of like bad horror films in the 80s, too, whenever somebody's head is supposed to come off. Mm hmm. It always looked bad. Like, I feel like it's awesome now. Like, if you watch... Yeah. Like, any Law & Order or whatever, if somebody's head is found severed, it's, like, perfect now. But I guess in the 80s, it was hard to cover up those seams and hard to find a natural hair wig that can match Brent Spiner's lustrous locks.
1: Yeah, for some reason, it's the hair that outs the bad makeup design. Like, the bad mannequin, for some reason. Like, you can forgive... A, a janky looking face i feel like but when you <laughs> when you like turn the head o- around in your hands and and the cut isn't the same that seems like the easiest part but i mean i've never done it before i'm clearly an idiot
0: yeah yeah no you're an idiot uh they beam back aboard with all of this Crapola and uh, Chief Engineer Argyle and Dr. Crusher are tasked with uh, helping Data put this all back together. I think uh, I didn't realize that Chief Engineer Argyle was still a going concern, but I guess he is.
1: Yeah, I was I was tickled to see him in this scene and he was he sort of took a leadership role in assembling him. Yeah, I think now might be a good time to talk about uh, the legend of Argyle as a character because I don't know that we see him again in the show.
0: Yeah, this may be the last time he appears. So
1: we talked before, like about Biff Yeager. Biff Yeager, <laughs> one of the great actor names ever
0: <laughs> of all time.
1: Biff Yeager evidently had a pretty big confidence in himself. Uh, for that reason and many others,
0: <laughs> so much so
1: that so he gets. This is a story that was told by Will Wheaton uh, on another on another show. So this is like me playing telephone with his story. But the legend goes that Biff Yeager, a couple episodes into the show, is like, "I am kicking ass at this. <laughs> I need to make sure that I stay on this show as as one of the main characters." So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to I'm going to take all my friends. I'm going to get them to write letters to Paramount, telling them how. <laughs> awesome this chief engineer argyle is and and this flood of fan mail is going to keep me on the show forever the consequence of this is the people at paramount are like why the fuck are we getting all this fan mail for argyle he's had exactly eight speaking lines like this is ridiculous and why is all the mail coming from the same zip code
0: and 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 why is it all coming in like hot on the heels of episodes airing, and in some cases, before the episode even airs.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's ridiculous. So, they get wind of this, and they're like, Biff, come on, man. Uh, you fucked up.
0: You really you really biffed that one, Biff.
1: We're writing you out of the show. They didn't even give him the uh, respect of giving him a storyline that writes him out. Like, he isn't killed heroically, as I recall.
0: No, he just disappears. Yeah, He
1: just disappears. Uh, and that's... And that's the story of Biff Yeager, as Argyle. <laughs> Rest yeah. in peace, Argyle.
0: Hashtag hubris. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Hashtag Argyle hubris. <laughs> you know, I I do feel a great sense of confidence and hubris whenever Argyle is involved. Uh, from a clothing standpoint. Hmm. Uh, maybe that's what Biff was feeling when he started that letter-writing campaign.
0: Yeah. Totally. I mean, I I don't. Often leave the house without an argyle sock on, and if your, your whole name was argyle, I feel like your chest would just be swole out.
1: A, si- a single argyle sock, like a like a red hot chili pepper would wear. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so that's my argyle story. We should probably get back to the regularly scheduled storytelling.
0: Yeah, we'll just cut all that out. It is a crazy- Don't make your cool, creative project captain's eyes only. Head to squarespace.com slash scarves for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Boy, do I love a Microdose gummy from Lumi Labs. I'm uh, I'm running low, so I'm going to head over to Microdose.com pretty soon and put in another order. Microdosing is a technique I use to steer my mentals in a preferred direction several times a week. And uh, I just love it because you can really predict what is going to happen and to what degree it is going to happen. Because these are very low-dose cannabis gummies that uh, give you an entry-level dose that help you feel just the right amount of good. And they've been super loyal as sponsors to Greatest Trek and Greatest Gen, so I hope you will give them a try. Get 30% off your first order plus free shipping today at microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. It's available nationwide. That's microdose.com. Promo code is SCARVES for 30% off and free shipping. microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till
1: max fun drive.
0: Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. So they get the second Android assembled, and it is full-blown identical to data in every way. Like, there's, you know, a shot of two hospital beds from overhead when Dr. Crusher is kind of doing the last couple little fine-tuning adjustments, and it's two identical androids lying there, and um, eventually, you know, Picard comes in, and Data is up and about in his uniform, and um, Lore kind of, like, pops his eyes open. I wonder which of them was made first. He was. But they found him to be imperfect, and I was made to replace him. I was built first. <laughs> yeah, he, he's a, he's a bully immediately. You may call me Lore. Yeah, anybody anybody watching from home can immediately tell that he's he's off, you know, he's he's a little something something's off about him because he has a twitch in his face and he's also just a full-blown dickhead. Yeah. Which uh data has never been and he identifies himself as Lore, uh hence the title of the episode. There's then a scene in Picard's ready room where Picard and Data, Picard basically like puts to Data a question of loyalty, like what, like what's gonna what's gonna go down as far as having this having this you know brother in your life, and Data says my loyalty is to you, and then they walk out onto the bridge and Riker and Geordi and I guess. I guess uh Wes is there, maybe maybe even Worf. They're just showing lore like how to work the ops station <laughs> on the bridge.
1: That scene was so ridiculous,
0: Ben. It seems like a really bad security measure to have a guy like who is completely perfectly indistinguishable from your second in command, or your second officer on board the flagship of your of your Starfleet. Uh, Just teaching him everything he would need to know if, you know, for example, he happened to decide to hijack the Enterprise.
1: He's basically a superhero. He has super strength. He can impersonate anyone's voice. He's super smart. He does things faster than anyone possibly could. He is so dangerous. And and they watch him totally big dog data in sickbay. Like, so people have an understanding that he could be kind of an asshole. But uh, that's not enough for them to pursue that question of security any further. The real question they want to know is whether or not Data is going to bro down with them at any point. Like, Mm -hmm. wrong question, guys.
0: Yeah. One one little moment in here uh, when uh, I think Lore kind of questioned Wesley's abilities or something. Uh, Data says, he has a child's body, but we have found him to be much more. And that sort of made me wonder if Data is in on Picard's <laughs> uh, regime of molestation.
1: <laughs> oh, God, I I didn't consider that. And I, <laughs> I didn't give that line reading that kind of context. But <laughs> thank you. Thank you for bringing that to my attention.
0: Yeah. Um, the, and then the other thing is that you know, Tasha, you know, asks whether we can trust data in this, in this context, but, but nobody ever brings up like, not the issue of trusting data, but the fact that nobody could possibly tell them apart from just a visual standpoint.
1: It's more transparent than the parent trap, right? Like, like they're not just twin sisters or whatever, (laughs) like with different clothing. They are exactly the same and they are, Super genius and super strong, like they would be terrifying if they decided to work together. And it turns out uh, they are terrifying when one of them is a bad guy.
0: Yeah. So Lore uh, winds up back in Data's Data's quarters, and they detect that he is sending subspace signals. To what they do not know, I think they send Worf to like keep an eye on him. And there's a scene where Lore like beats the shit out of Worf in the in the turbo lift, establishing his super strength.
1: Yeah, Worf gets the shit kicked out of him in that. uh, Like it's it was like two boxers in a phone booth.
0: Totally, Worf can take a beating. You know, like Worf is probably second only to Data in terms of strength on the ship. So right. So. You know, all this stuff is going down this crystalline entity, which suspiciously looks exactly like the pictures that terrified children left in the in the lab. Uh.
1: Yeah, the, uh, these pictures are hilarious. It's like a crystal pine cone in the center, and then people screaming and dying, like cartoonishly drawn, running away from it. Yeah. And everyone who looks at these pictures is just like, huh. These children's paintings uh, sure are uh, unsophisticated and and weird. Nothing to worry about here. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, and all of the same thing. And also weirdly, the only evidence of anything other than yeah. like the laboratory itself in this in this bunker. Like, there, there's no like other personal effects of any kind. Just these pictures that are like up on a wall somewhere.
1: <laughs> yeah, like. Objectively, they are pictures of a terror scene, like rivers of blood and and screaming people. But uh, <laughs> nothing to see here. Let's go about your business.
0: Yeah. So, um, Data goes to check out what's going on in his quarters.
1: And this is this is like a clear moment where you don't leave your laptop open without you know the password in place. Like this is pretty. Like another
0: in, another security failing on the on the enterprise. Yeah, you know?
1: data left his Facebook open and now now shit's gonna get really bad for him.
0: Yeah. So so data gets there and is basically immediately incapacitated by Lore. Um you know, data's kind of uh, more naive than he would need to be to identify that lore is an evil mastermind.
1: Lore pushes his button, right?
0: Yeah. And so, yeah, so the, so the one thing that comes out in this episode is that Data has an off switch on the small of his back, and he reveals this to Dr. Crusher initially, um, and she asks him about it, and he says, like, I, I keep it a closely guarded secret, and you f- you probably would too if you had one.
1: I feel like Tasha Yar also knows about that, right? Or is it Lore, pretending to be Data and faking it all? <laughs>
0: She's seen all of him. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I'm sure she's seen uh, all his switches. <laughs> switches that do all kinds of things.
0: Yeah. So then I guess Wesley goes down to see what's going on in uh, in Data's quarters. And, um, and Laura has, like, monologued his evil plan to incapacitated Data. So we know what's going on now. But... Uh, you know, Crusher kinda has to he has to play dumb to make Lore believe that he's not gonna put his business out in the streets. And then for the rest of the episode, Wesley is like insisting to Picard that
1: Captain, recommend that you do not let him roam the ship freely.
0: The person that they think is Commander Data is in fact Lore and he's up to something and he's doing something evil and <laughs> everybody's just like, like they tell Wesley to shut up a bunch of times.
1: Sir, I know this may finish me as an acting ensign,
0: but. Shut up, Wesley!
1: Wesley's the only one that's seen Parent Trap. Right. Of the, <laughs> of the entire crew. He knows what's up.
0: Mm hmm. So we come to understand that Laura uh, is in, in cahoots with this crystalline entity, which is a some kind of spacefaring creature that feeds on life forces. It's what ate all of the life force on Omicron Theta and killed the colonists and all of their farmland and everything. And its next victim is going to be the Enterprise uh, if Lore can figure out a way for the Enterprise to drop its shields long enough for the entity to do its dastardly deed. So the evil Android uh, as data suggests that they beam a tree into space to, and then shoot it with the phasers to show this entity what, uh, what their, what their ship is made of. And, uh,
1: (laughs) that is the stupidest plan, the stupidest demonstration of power that I could ever think of. Yeah.
0: But of course to beam something off of the ship, they will have to drop the, the shields. Right. So, uh, Laura goes down to one of the cargo holds, which has a, a, you know, a large format transporter in it. And uh, at this point, Wesley and Dr. Crusher have been kicked off the bridge, uh, you know, for being so impertinent as to suggest that Data's identical twin was impersonating him. They go to Data's quarters and find Data uh, passed out on the floor they revive him, and they all get to the cargo bay just in the nick of time to put the kibosh on Lore's evil plan. Um, and there's a pretty fun, like, cargo bay brawl between Data and his identical android brother, Lore, um, which is pretty well shot. It's very believable as, like, two identical people played by the same actor kicking the shit out of each other
1: anytime you get an action scene with guys winging 50 gallon drums around the room oh yeah I think that's pretty great. fun to watch they shoot it wide so you get to see all that it's not like yeah a, like modern action scene blocking where you're in close and you don't see those details it was a lot of fun
0: yeah it's it's a it's a real hoot and uh it ends with uh data kind of Flinging Lore onto the transporter pad, right as Wesley gets up to the controls, he throws the throws the switch, and Lore is beamed into space. And uh, because the crystalline entity doesn't have a confederate on board the ship anymore, it uh, it hightails it out of there. And uh, I guess the Enterprise resumes its journey to get its computers refit.
1: It's said at the very end that like Lore's gone. Permanently. Like, Wesley says this, and everyone believes it. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, do we know if Data and Lore can exist in space without a spacesuit? Because this ending felt to me very much like the end of, of Aliens, yeah. where R- Ripley blows the queen out of the cargo hatch, yeah. and she's like, well, that's done, like, dusts off her hands and uh, <laughs> and, like, considers her enemy dead. It seems to me like... They should have done a little scan to see if there's a floater outside, uh, <laughs> see if floor's flapping around out there. Uh, yeah. And one would think Data would know if he could exist outside in space, but he says nothing about it.
0: Yeah, you would wish that they would address that. I mean, we have heard Data talk about when you know, if you prick me, do I not leak? So <laughs> we know that he does have some kind of.
1: Does Tasha sp- turn me on? Do I not bone? <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh yeah. Speaking of uh Data and Tasha's uh boning incident, there's a really funny line when uh when they're about to reactivate Lore and Riker turns to Data and says, "Data, does he have all of your parts?" Data is like, "Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he does." <laughs> Made me realize that Riker is a little bit jealous of what data's got going on in the uh, underpants department.
1: At any point, like, Riker was on that away team. He could have turned around the the butt part and found out for himself.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: I mean, he he. as soon as they get into that lab, you'll notice that he sent Tasha and Worf out to explore the rest of the thing. I think that right. was in an effort to sort of have those parts to himself, do a mm. little recon.
0: Yeah, and... uh I guess, yeah, for some reason, he stayed a little coy about that.
1: I thought this was a cool episode. I definitely had some problems with it.
0: Yeah, there's some missteps, but it is it is really fun.
1: Especially at the end, like, the, the whole unresolved enemy floating out in space thing just seems like a classic thing that's going to come back to bite you in the ass. Yeah. Uh, eventually.
0: Well, and it seems like if he's out in space, he doesn't, like like, it's going to be so easy for them to incapacitate him while he's out there. So why not turn him off, take him apart, and yeah. move on.
1: Leave him in Tasha's room, <laughs> where uh, parts of him are just used as a Sibian machine. <laughs> oh,
0: God. <laughs> I really hoped I would never heard it, hear anybody say that word out loud.
1: <laughs> uh, what would you think of Lore Cosbying Data with a glass of champagne? What, like, I thought it was fascinating that there was something that you could put in a drink to give Data that would, uh, that would fuck him up.
0: Yeah. Well, they they yeah they say like um, he was procuring some some materials and data says like this is kind of no different from you going and looking for medicine for yourself. Think nothing of it. No danger. They never c- really considered the possibility that Lore might be super evil, which I feel like they should see coming. Yeah. I mean, I guess I've never been introduced to somebody and harbored the. Notion that there's a potential for them to be super evil, you know, I guess it's not like something that you think of automatically.
1: So you're so you're the robot doctor and you're making robots in your in your cave lab and you make lore and you decide that lore is not the sort of robot that you want to make. Yeah. So you make a second robot and that's data. Right. Why don't you tell Data about the super-dangerous first robot if that is the order of operations as as the robot scientist?
0: Yeah, well, so, because Data has memories, but they're, like, the memories of the colonists, and I guess he was never activated while Soong was present. It would be nice if he had left, like a like, an instruction manual or something with all the parts <laughs> saying, like, you know, this... This is a model that's a little bit, a little bit off, a little bit dangerous. He could have
1: left a, a crayon drawing of, of a crudely sketched <laughs> sketched lore in the middle and the,
0: with children running away from yeah. it. <laughs>
1: that's that's their primary means of communication.
0: Yeah, they, they would have been like, I wonder what this could mean.
1: <laughs> yeah. Hey Ben, uh, do you have a drunk Schmota for this episode? Incredible. Drunk Shimoda! Drunk Shimoda is the time in every episode where we nominate the character who's enjoying themselves the most or uh, or does something completely ridiculous that we don't understand. Uh, this award is named after Assistant Chief Engineer Shimoda from Episode 2.
0: I gotta go with Picard for this episode. I just feel like, you know, Picard is very concerned about the potential security threat of this at first but really doesn't consider the actual uh means by which lore could become a security threat only the possibility that data might be disloyal to him Mm. and then for the rest of the episode is just incredibly dismissive of anybody suggesting that the identical twin of his second officer uh could Take on the identity of his second officer.
1: Shut up, Wesley. Yeah, bad form, Captain. And it's
0: it, it it's just a it, it's something that's happened a whole bunch of times so far in this season, where you know a character could have just entertained the possibility for a second, and had it not be such a big problem for everybody.
1: Uh, classic, Captain. Shut up. Uh, my drunk Shimoda is going to be Wesley, who. Uh, in true drunken fashion, like can't control himself from like standing up from his station and yelling at the captain about uh, <laughs> about the fact that data might be lore and vice versa. Um, that seems like he's pretty drunk with confidence at that point. Uh, he doesn't care who he's yelling at, especially when it when it's the captain. It might be the only time that he yells at the captain. Uh most of the time I imagine he's bound and gagged by mm-hmm. him. Mm. Uh and so my nomination for this episode is Wesley.
0: It's not something that you see much on this show, characters defying the command structure.
1: Yeah, and they're they're giving Wesley a lot to do. Feels like uh feels like he's on the rise. If you're buying stock. Yeah. Must be buying stock and some Wesley at this
0: point. <laughs> Get that rookie card now. <laughs>
1: I am the cutest of all. There are four lights. What do we have coming up next week? Uh,
0: next week is episode 13, Angel 1. While the away team struggles to save male fugitives on a planet run by women, the Enterprise is ravaged by a highly infectious virus. Um, I remember the planet run by women part of this, but I don't remember anything about this virus.
1: I think I remember. Is this the planet that's run by... Yeah, the leader of this planet looks like Sarah Connor from Terminator 2. That's the thing that I remember. And Riker totally bones her, right?
0: Uh, yeah, there's definitely... So, yeah, and, and, like, so the the gender roles have been perfectly reversed where women are are big and tough and men are, are diminutive and effeminate. And uh, Riker kind of, like, puts on the garb of the men of their society, which... Shows a lot of hairy mannip, which is a, you know, good look for him, I would say.
1: The, uh, the women want to do snoo-snoo to him in the
0: Futurama parlance. <laughs> yeah. Well, Riker is a sex object. Um, what was the reception of this episode like? <laughs> uh, one of the
1: one of the more cutting reviews was, it was filler, and boring filler at that. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we've seen all this before, and it was barely interesting the first time around. <laughs> a horrible episode on so many levels. Wow. Well, I guess we're committed to the idea, uh, the two of us, without having any vetoes.
0: Without it? Yeah. Since we uh, had a mutually assured veto distraction a couple of episodes, we, we shall watch this, and we shall report back next week.
1: We'll do this together. We're here for you.
0: Uh, I've been Ben Harrison.
1: I've been Adam Pranica. We will see you next time. Sorry. Oh, yeah, and uh, also we're sorry.